selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about a fallopian tube. And I'll be talking about a revered World Health Organization researcher. We spoke in unison! (laughs) I know! It's so exciting! We're back! We're back! We're we're here. We're in person. Oh, it's amazing. And my ears are no longer hot. (laughs) Do you want to explain that? No. Because that sounds super weird. No, I don't. Okay, cool. Now, when we recorded remotely, we had to wear headphones. And now that we're back together again, uh, no headphones and just... Just got the, a light breeze flowing oh. past these ears. We are still social distancing. We are. Yes. We're, but, I don't know, what, 10 feet apart? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I didn't want to come anywhere near you <laughs> except for that kiss we <laughs> exchanged. <laughs> but no, it's it's good to see you again. Oh, it's so good to see you. Oh. Oh. It's, I tell you what, it's been weird to not see you for so much of your pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah, last time we recorded together in person, like I barely had like a little, like a little bump, and now there's. Yeah, I thought you were faking it. (laughs) (laughs) There were concerns that this was a fake pregnancy. (laughs) Now there's a whole ass baby here. (laughs) I'm 100% convinced this time. And uh, last time, um, you, I had no idea that my lady parts were trying to kill me. No kidding. Now I know. Yeah, you got you got all kinds of slices and dices in you. Oh my god, I look like a fucking pumpkin. Ooh, did they make a face with them? Rude. No, <laughs> of course they didn't. Checking. Although I do have, I mean, do they go in through your belly button? Yeah. <gasps> well, should we save this? Are you going to talk about? Yeah, it? we'll save it. We'll all save right. It. I can hear you all being very intrigued. <laughs> That's just a little teaser for all of you. (laughs) Now, here's another teaser. Guys, if you can't get enough of us, and boy, we hear that all the time. Just constantly. (laughs) Join us on Patreon. At the $5 level, you get bonus episodes. Okay, the one we just released, I hate to brag to you guys, 
I did a case about a woman who was buried alive. Mm-hmm. It it was nuts. Yeah. Brandy, describe your case, please. Um, I just talked about candy. Oh, okay. Well, you know Brandy talked about it, so you know something terrible happened. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Great bonus episode. Also, you get into the Discord to chat with us at the $7 level. You get a bonus video as well. And what else happens? Oh, yeah. You, you get, get inducted. inducted. You Hello. get a fucking sticker. A fucking sticker. A fucking sticker. <laughs> <laughs> and a card with our autographs. Ooh. Oh, my. Worth, you know, upwards of 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> feels so good to be back here in person. It does feel good to actually see you. Oh. <sighs> I feel like hell, though. Should we do, like, just, like, five minutes of uninterrupted staring. eye contact? Maybe. Couldn't hurt. I know. You poor thing. You're in you're in rough shape. Well, and I have not timed this well because yeah. um, my medicine is starting to wear off. And, uh, Excellent. Great. Yeah. And this is, like, the one time of day when I'm, I have to, like, put some pep in my step. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to power through, folks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, more on all that crap yeah, later. to come. Much like the previous episode that we recorded where you were, you know, pre-surgery. Yeah. And you told us all about everything that was going on. I did a case. You did not. Similar situation today. I'm going to do a case. And then Kristen's going to fill us all in on the miracle of surgery. <laughs> I mean, we don't know if it's a miracle yet. I think it is. I guess we'll find out. I'm sorry, that sounded really dark. <laughs> I'm not feeling like I've had any miracles lately. Whew. All right, are you ready for me to get started? Sorry, I've done a lame job so far. Okay. Um, you got anything else you want to talk about? Just okay. right off the top here? No? No. No? No. Let me tell you about this case. Okay. Are you going to tell the case or just... It is amazing. It has... Everything we love, all wrapped up in one case. You and me both. Okay, okay. And a huge shout out to our friend. It's either Inez or Inez. I apologize that I don't know how you pronounce it. But she emailed us this case recommendation. Okay. And uh, I was not familiar with it. You look very excited. I am so excited. David came home today and I was like, he was like, are you all ready to record? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm so excited. I love my case. You know what? I get the same way. When I feel like I've got a good one, I'm cocky about it. I'm like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, gonna blow some minds today. (laughs) Everybody keep those pants on. (laughs) Couple of things right off the top, though. Shout out to this podcast I was not familiar with. They did a great episode on this. It's called The Evidence Locker. Cool. Loved Never it. heard of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was great. This is a deep cut. This is not a well-known case. There's very little information available for us about it because it is an international case. So mm. international disclaimer. Also, my sincerest apologies. I'm going to give a pronunciation disclaimer, too, because this case takes place in France. Oh, <laughs> we are famously great with French words. So I will do my best. I did not take French. I've looked up some pronunciations. Inez was kind enough to send over a little bit of help with the person's yeah. name in this case. So 
you know what? I promise you I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> Very good. Let's right, go. Here we go. Bonjour. Oh, God. <laughs> it was around 4 a.m. on January 11th, 12th, mm-hmm. 9th. Depends. Depends okay. on what article you read. I think it's really weird that they all have different dates, but. I hate that, too. <laughs> yes, but, you know, so, these things you know, happen. Somewhere in there, 1993, when road cleaners in the French town of Provence-en-Mouet, which is near the Swiss border, noticed a home on fire. More alarming than just the fire was what they saw in an upstairs bedroom window. It appeared that there was a man at the window trapped inside the burning house, fighting for air. The house and the owner were familiar to the road crew. Um, So this is just like a street cleaning crew that like comes by, you know, kind of the same time, three times a week or whatever. And so they were familiar with this house and its owner. This was the home of Dr. Jean-Claude Roman. He was a researcher for the World Health Organization, or WHO, in Geneva. So this road crew, they call emergency crews, and Jean-Claude is eventually rescued from the burning home. By the time emergency crews got there, I believe he was no longer conscious, and he was taken to a hospital in Geneva for medical care, and he was immediately placed in a medically induced coma to heal from his injuries. He had suffered burns and smoke inhalation, but it looked as though he would survive. To friends and loved ones, though, this was a concern. They had almost hoped that Jean-Claude would not make it. What? Because the fire had claimed the lives of his wife and two (gasps) small children. And they felt that this loss would be too great for him to bear. He would have survivor's guilt. You know, it would just be better if he he didn't survive. Following Jean-Claude's rescue, his uncle was tasked with traveling to Jean-Claude's parents' house, which was like an hour away, still somewhere in France, I think where Jean-Claude grew up, but whatever. So he is supposed to go to his parents' house and tell them that there's been this horrible accident and that their son is in a coma, that, you know, the rest of the family has died in the fire, whatever. So this uncle gets to the house and discovers a horrible scene. One that would be the first inclination that maybe all wasn't as it seemed with the fire at the Roman home. Jean-Claude's parents were found in a bedroom of their home. They'd been shot and killed. Oh. By the time this discovery was made, investigators had already determined that the fire at the Roman home had been intentionally set. There were gas cans kind of strewn about inside, and gas had been poured, like, liberally throughout the home. Oh, so they weren't even trying to really disguise it. No. Okay. What this discovery did do, though, was prompt investigators to take a closer look at the other victims of the fire. Mm -hmm. They quickly determined that the fire had not been the cause of death to Jean-Claude's wife and two children. Caroline and Antoine, Jean-Claude's seven-year-old daughter and five-year-old son, had been shot to death. Mm. Ballistics would later confirm that they had been killed with the same gun as Jean-Claude's parents, and that Florence, Jean-Claude's wife, had been beat to death with a blunt object. Oh, my gosh. This was later determined to be a rolling pin, which they called, um, all the articles call it something else, 
a baking roll. That's what they call it. Oh, I would have had no idea what that was. <laughs> yes. Thankfully, the podcast that I listened to called it a rolling pin. <laughs> yeah, if I heard a baking roll, I would be like, I'll have two. Just yes. delicious. <laughs> so obviously now as the lone survivor of a yeah, the slaying of an entire family. Suspect number yeah, one. Yeah, Jean-Claude Roman becomes the prime suspect in these attacks. So investigators start talking to friends and family to learn all they could about the man. Mm -hmm. And at this time, he's still in a coma. And oddly enough, it seemed like no one knew that much about Jean-Claude. No, like, real specific details. There were some points that everyone could agree on, and here's what those are. Jean-Claude was his parents' pride and joy. He had been an odd child, though, and had struggled socially. So much so that he finished high school through some sort of like correspondence course or homeschooling situation. Mm -hmm. He was very smart. He was a great student. And after finishing his schooling through that, he went on to university with the intention of becoming a medical doctor. Partly because that's what he wanted to do. And partly because he wanted to impress a girl. Oh, my. Yeah. That's a hell of a lot of work to impress somebody. Well, you see, Kristen, Jean-Claude was in love with this girl. And they'd known each other their whole lives because they were cousins. Oh. <laughs> By marriage, everybody calm down. Okay, but still, <laughs> still that's yeah. not great. It's not great. <laughs> Her name was Florence, and she was oh. going to university to become a doctor. Florence fit in great at school. She was well-liked. She was social. But her fucking weird-ass cousin who was in love with her was constantly following her around. And people were like, what's up with your weird cousin? (laughs) (laughs) And she was always nice to him, though. Well, yeah, he's family. Yeah. (laughs) You have to be nice. (laughs) So at the end of their first year, both Florence and Jean-Claude had to sit for some sort of exam. It's like Mm -hmm. a final exam that, like allows them to move on to the second year of schooling. Like, they have to pass this exam to move on to the next step of medical school. And Jean-Claude passed, despite the fact that he had recently been diagnosed with cancer. Right around this time, he was diagnosed with lymphoma, and he managed to power through, sit for this exam, and pass and move on to his next year of schooling. Is this real cancer or fake cancer? Wow, Kristen. I'm a very cynical person. Yes. What's fake cancer? When people make it up. Oh, my goodness gracious. Brandy, am I on to something? I don't know. Are you? (laughs) Florence, though, did not pass. And she took the opportunity to kind of reevaluate the path that she was on. And she decided to fall back on an area that had been her strength, pharmacology. And so rather than continuing medical school, she decided to shift her education path and become a pharmacist, which is still fucking hard and a lot of school. Yeah, don't get defensive, Brandy. (laughs) (laughs) I just like that everything's like, well, she fell back on uh, pharmacology. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, all right, people. Okay. It was around this time that Jean-Claude finally confessed his love to Florence. Friends kind of speculated that she may have felt sorry for him because of his cancer diagnosis, or perhaps she liked that he was still on the path to becoming a doctor. Either way, Florence was touched by Jean-Claude's confession, and the two began officially dating. Now, hold the phone, Uh okay? Here, well... In most parts of the United States, 
That'd be pretty fucking weird to start dating your cousin. Is that not the case around the world? I don't know if it's not the case around the world. What I gathered in researching this case is that their families really liked that they were in a relationship with each other. I don't know. Okay. I don't Again, care. they're cousins by marriage. I get that. Whatever the fuck that means. I don't care what kind of cancer my cousin has. It's not happening. You know? I feel like you'd be hard-pressed to find a supportive family member for that. All right, all right. I'm weirded out, but okay. <laughs> Over the next several years, Jean-Claude would finish medical school. He was kind of known as like the perfect student. He had the most thorough notes. People borrowed his notes all the time when they missed class, whatever. And he moved on to become a certified doctor. Florence also graduated and became a pharmacist. Somewhere along the way, the two married, popped out a couple kids. Great. What'd they do for, like, his side and her side? No, it's just one big side. There was no aisle. No aisle. (laughs) After becoming a fully certified doctor, Jean-Claude took a job doing some form of medical research. And it wasn't long before word of his accolades at that research facility reached the World Health Organization across the Swiss border in Geneva. And he was offered kind of the job of a lifetime. Master researcher. It was a very big deal. Yeah. He had like this amazing, flexible schedule. He got to travel the world, going to different conferences. And he was doing important work, important research. One day a week, he also taught a lecture course at some university near his parents' home. So on like that day of the week, he always got to have lunch with his parents. It was just like the best schedule possible. Mm Mm-hmm. What did he research? Do you know? Uh, we'll, we'll go into that a little bit. Why are you making that face? Uh, I have missed seeing your face <laughs> as you tell me these stories. <laughs> well, bit more on his research later. Okay. With this new job, this flexible schedule, whatever, Florence was able to work kind of more part-time as a pharmacist and focus more of her time on raising their children. Life was good for the Romans. Somewhere along the way, as if his professional accolades were not enough, Jean-Claude decided to try his hand at investing, and he was super successful. He set up, like, all kinds of mutual funds and hedge funds and what other fucking all kind the of funds, funds there are. I don't know. And it did well for their family, and so he started kind of branching out. He set up one for his parents, and then when Florence's parents retired, they got this large retirement payout, and so he invested that money for them as well. These were high-yield, low-risk accounts, so they were the perfect setup for retirees. So all of this information that I've just shared with you, this Mm -hmm. was pretty much agreed upon by all who the investigators interviewed. Remember, this is right after the fire when Jean-Claude is still in a coma. But what none of the friend or family members could agree upon was exactly what Jean-Claude did at the World Health Organization. Mm -hmm, Because he didn't do anything. What kind of research was he involved in? A couple people recounted that he was very secretive about his research and that on the rare occasion when he would let details come out in conversation, he'd make them promise not to repeat it as it was top secret info. Then there was this one story. 
There was this family member, maybe an uncle. I'm unsure if it's like an uncle on Florence's side or an uncle on Jean-Claude's side. Anyway, doesn't really matter. But this particular part of the family was sure that Jean-Claude's research involved cancer drugs. Because some years back, this uncle had been diagnosed with cancer and the prognosis was not good. Mm -hmm. When this happened... Jean-Claude offered up a drug that was still in the testing phases, but that was showing promising results in fighting this form of cancer. There were just a couple of problems. First, the experimental drug could only be procured through Jean-Claude. Because again, it was still in the testing phases. Right. And second, it was insanely expensive. The uncle would require two doses of the medication at a cost of approximately $5,000 per dose. (gasps) And there was no guarantee that it would work. Ultimately, the uncle decided to give it a try and paid Jean-Claude $10,000 for the two doses. The drug did not work, though, and the uncle died of cancer a short time later. Oh, God, Brandy. What, Kristen? Is this guy the most evil person on earth? Is he? Let's find out. (laughs) (laughs) With conflicting accounts of exactly what Jean-Claude did for the World Health Organization, investigators thought it was time to go straight to the source. And they were like, who? They visited the WHO office in Geneva. Oh, that's not even what I'm sorry. (laughs) They visited the WHO office in Geneva, but oddly enough, hmm. there was no record of Jean-Claude Ramon ever working there. And they were like, no, check the top secret <laughs> records. <laughs> so then they were like, okay, let's go back a step. Let's go back to that first research firm that he'd worked at. Uh-huh. So they went there. Again, there was no record of Jean-Claude Ramon ever working there. Oh, my God. Finally, they did a search of all registered doctors in both France and Switzerland. No. Again, no Jean-Claude Roman. Oh. So they checked his university records. Fuck, Brandy, what? Turns out Jean-Claude had been enrolled in and attended classes for all the years of medical school. He just never sat for an exam. What? Not even that very first one that he claimed to pass after the first year. You can do that? Yeah. So every year, he re-enrolled for classes Uh and even enrolled in the later courses through medical school. Mm -hmm. He continued to take them all, but he was never actually progressing because he wasn't taking the exams to move to the next level. Oh, my God. Uh Uh-huh. Investigators were stunned. Had this man really managed to fool all of his friends and family into believing that he had been a med student and a doctor for the last 18 years, all while never passing the first term? I'm still, I'm still so thrown by this. Mm-hmm. 18 years. It was around this time. Uh-huh. Then investigators got what appeared to be the final piece of the puzzle. 
in tracking down different friends of the Romans, you know, trying to get more information on their background and what, who knew what about them and whatever, they got in contact with this woman. And I only found her name mentioned in one place. It wasn't mentioned in any of the articles. It was mentioned on the podcast that I listened to. And honestly, it's a French name and I couldn't even begin to try and pronounce it. So I'm sorry. She's just known as this woman in my my story. There we go. (laughs) So they get in contact with this woman. She had once been like the wife portion of a couple that the Romans were friends with. Okay. But that couple had gotten a divorce. And following that divorce, she'd kind of been the one that got to keep the Romans as friends. Okay. So during that time, after her divorce, she and Jean-Claude had started up an affair. And it had lasted for quite some time. They met regularly for trysts in Paris, where she lived. They traveled the world together. And when she came into a large chunk of money, Jean-Claude offered to invest it for her. Mm. And she trusted him. So she handed over around 900,000 francs, which is about $150,000. But the relationship started to sour. Things kind of Uh became pretty tumultuous. And this woman just wanted to wash her hands of Jean-Claude. So she told him she needed the money back. Oh, no, it's so heavily invested. You'd lose a lot if you took it out right now. Jean-Claude was incensed by this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He told her the funds had rules and regulations and that he needed like 90 days notice to be able to close out her account. Mm -hmm. By this time, this woman had lost a lot of trust in Jean-Claude and felt certain that everything with the investment was not on the up and up. Yeah. But she needed that money back and so she was like just trying to do whatever to make sure that she stayed on good terms with Jean-Claude whatever so she kept communicating with him she kept pushing him to get the money finally somewhere around January 11th of 1993 Jean-Claude agreed to return the money to her but only if she would first accompany him to a dinner at the home of the minister of health This was like a big, fancy dinner related to his job in some way, whatever. And she reluctantly agreed. And so Jean-Claude picked her up for dinner that evening. And they went to drive to this dinner. On the way, Jean-Claude got lost somehow in a forest near Fontainebleau. Mm -hmm. And he pulled the car over. He said he needed to check a map and he was sure that he had one in the trunk. So he gets out and goes around to the back and and this woman's sitting in the car for what feels like forever. Finally, she gets out and she goes to check on him. It's like, what's the hold up? You know, whatever. As she goes around to the back of the car, Jean-Claude attacks her (gasps) and tries to strangle her. Holy shit. But she fought back. And after a time of them, like, fighting, he's, like, got, like, a rope around her neck, oh like, trying God. to strangle her. She's oh fighting. She's kicking, whatever. Finally, Jean-Claude, like, tires of the whole thing. What? And gives up. What? Yes. And he says, if you promise not to tell anyone what I've done here tonight, I'll take you home. What the fuck? And she's like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to tell anyone. And he makes up some excuse about how his cancer's back and how it's the cancer meds that he's oh, taking yeah. that are making him really volatile. And he didn't mean to do what he had done. And if she just promises that she won't tell anyone, he'll just take her home and the whole thing's done. You know, to me personally, I think that's the worst part of a cancer diagnosis is that you have to go murder someone. <laughs> 
that is it, it is, is a real it's struggle it's just terrible you know that you're gonna struggle with your health and then someone else has to die so sad oh my god so she agreed well, not to tell anyone yeah and he but took her home dropped her off that is so weird so and dumb fucking weird Okay, so the next part better be, like, as soon as he drove off, she called the cops. No. She was terrified. Okay. This was all investigators needed to hear. Yeah. They were like, okay. At this point, they were already pretty sure that Jean-Claude was, at the very least, a fraud and a murderer. Sure. And this kind of filled in some of the gaps. Mm-hmm. At the scene of the fire, it appeared that Jean-Claude had continued his attempts at fraud. To investigators, it looked like he had, I'm putting this in air quotes, attempted suicide, but even that attempt appeared fraudulent. What? Yes. So Jean-Claude, on this morning of the fire, had taken expired sleeping pills Okay. In an attempt to end his life. Right. But he had much heavier barbiturates in the house that he Uh did not take. Uh Uh-huh. Additionally, he barricaded himself in the bedroom and put down, like, towels and clothing along the opening under the door to delay the fire getting into his room Mm -hmm. as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And then... He'd waited to set the fire until moments before he knew the road crew, the cleaning crew, would be by. It was as if he'd orchestrated his own rescue. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so investigators now have yeah. all of this yep. evidence against him. And they were eagerly, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't know it would be the English words I struggled with pronouncing. (laughs) They were eagerly awaiting him, you know, coming out of this coma. So he finally does. And when he did, initially he like, oh, feigned shock over the whole thing. Oh, my family, you know. Okay. (sighs) This is why I'm fucked up. I would love to witness that. Of course. I would love it. Love it. I would like to be the person who breaks the bad news to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he feigns all of the shock and he's he's just too shaken up. He can't speak to investigators. He couldn't possibly speak to them. Oh, I totally understand. Yeah. Take all the time you need, sir. And so this goes on for a little while. And then gradually he begins to speak to them. Mm -hmm. And he told them this whole tale of an intruder in the house. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. How long was he out? I, I don't know. Okay, okay. Several days. Okay. Okay, sure. So then he starts telling them this tale of an intruder who came mm-hmm. in and killed his family and attacked him and all of this. And investigators are just like, wow. Wow. Awful. My goodness. Oh, my gosh. They just let him talk and they let him continue mm-hmm. and they let him just bury himself deeper and deeper until he was so caught up in his own lies that when they confronted him with the truth that they had uncovered, mm-hmm. this mountain of evidence about him, he finally just broke down and he told them the whole thing. So in this initial story that he told them, mm-hmm. was his position that an intruder came in, killed his whole family, then he 
and he was there or like why you know, that's would a, he, I, I don't know that is a good question it's like well why wouldn't the intruder kill you well i'm guessing that's probably when it started to fall apart yeah Kristen. i mean that, but he had time to think it through right <laughs> yeah okay i don't think he was doing a lot of thinking when he was in that coma Kristen. I, planning but you know what yeah i mean you're knocked out for a few days maybe you don't wake up your yeah. best self okay. yeah okay so he breaks down he tells them the whole thing all of his lies, his scams, it was all coming down on him. Mm-hmm. All those investments that he'd done for family members. Bullshit. They weren't real. He was running a Ponzi scheme yeah. with his own family members. He had never had a job. He was living entirely off that money. He'd never he'd had never a job? He'd never had a job. Kristen. <laughs> What? Every day. He took the kids to school. Okay. And then he drove to Geneva. Okay. Where the World Health Organization is. And he parked in their parking lot. What? And he sometimes went in and used their free their free services and did medical research of some kind so that he would have something to talk about. And sometimes he just wandered around Geneva. That course... What? That course that he was the lecturing at near his parents' home, well, you know, on Thursdays, he really wanted to see his parents. So, poof, I got a new job where I have to be over by my parents' house on Thursdays. Completely made up. Those conventions and conferences that he traveled to Uh around the world, he would book a hotel at the Geneva airport and stay in the hotel for a couple days and read up on what there was to do and see in the cities he was claiming to visit. You are So that he could me. come home and report about where he'd been. This is exhausting. Yeah. His wife never had a phone number for him at his job because it was top secret. What he did was top secret. What she had mm-hmm. was a beeper number. Mm-hmm. She'd page him and he'd call her. And she was perfectly fine with that arrangement. It made sense to her. He sold it perfectly. Well, and I will say, like, so Norm's dad worked for the NSA. Yeah. Like, yeah, you couldn't call him at work. Yeah. So I imagine there are a few jobs like that where it it would. Yeah, like a top secret researcher at the World Health Organization. (laughs) Who can't even tell you what he's he's researching. researching. Those cancer drugs that he'd given that uncle. Flintstone gummies. Yeah, complete placebos. They were nothing. Awful. He took. $10,000. Of his dying uncle's Uh money. Uh Wow. His cancer diagnosis when he was in med school? Mm Mm-hmm. Completely fabricated because he slept through his exam. And he thought... I'm sorry. He slept through an exam and decided Uh the only thing he could do... So the end-of-term exam that he never sat for, Uh he slept through it. And when he realized what he had done, he came up with this cancer diagnosis so that if the lie came out that he hadn't ever taken the test, he'd have something to fall back on. Oh, it was my cancer. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. But this Ponzi scheme was kind of the tipping point. People were asking for their money back, including that mistress, including family members. They They wanted statements. He couldn't provide them. And so... Well... 
I'm sorry. How long had he been doing that? Because I would think that um, years. Florence, Florence, is it Florence? Okay. <laughs> wouldn't she be? Wouldn't she be wondering about his income? No, he was making money as a top researcher. So he would. So he had been doing this the entire time they'd been uh-huh. married. So initially, when they first got married, he lived off of. So when he was in school, his parents Mm -hmm. had bought him like a student apartment like this. Okay. And so he had sold that when they got married. And so he lived off of that money initially. And then he had access to his parents' bank accounts. And so he was able to pilfer money from that for a while. Okay. And then that's when he started the investment schemes when that money was running out. And then Florence had her own money. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I get it. But it was all about to come crashing down. So... First, he killed Florence. He'd gone home one night. According to him. Mm-hmm. How was it her fault? Let's he didn't even know he'd done it until he came to. Oh. And there was a bloody rolling pin in his hand. And Florence lay dead in their oh, bed. Oh, my. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then the next morning, he'd gotten up with his kids. They uh, were watching cartoons in the living room when he came down. He fed them breakfast. They watched TV for a while. And then all of a sudden he was like, oh my gosh, Caroline, you, you don't look well. Let me, let me check your forehead. And so he made this whole big deal about how she was clearly sick and how he needed to take her upstairs Mm -hmm. and give her medicine. And so he took her up to her bedroom, had her lay in her bed, and then covered her with a pillow and shot her. And then repeated the whole thing with his son. Following that, he'd gone to his parents' house and killed them and their dog. He had a real weird excuse for the dog. What was it? Well, so initially the dog reacted badly when... Um, yeah, imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and was whining and running back and forth between the dead bodies of his parents. Good. So he decided that the dog would be better off if he could join Caroline in heaven. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. How sweet. Yes. How nice of him. Uh-huh. So he killed the dog, too. Yeah, it's not that I'm the worst person on yeah. earth. Then... He picked up the mistress, did the whole thing in the forest where he was going to kill her, and then he chickened out for whatever reason. That's really it's weird, so right? so weird. That is so weird to me that he couldn't follow through on that murder after he's already murdered his parents, his wife, and his two kids. I wonder if he was just more conniving with the other murders and, like, they... Tr- you know what? No, no, no. Everyone else trusted him. Yeah. The no. mistress didn't trust yes. him. Yes. She fought back. Nobody else fought back. Yeah, because they didn't know they needed yeah. to. Holy shit. Yep. So after he dropped her off at home, mm-hmm. he'd gone home and he'd watched TV for several hours. Hey, no judgment on that. <laughs> That's all I've done in the past and three then weeks. He, you know, spread gasoline throughout the house and went through with his plan to attempt suicide again in air yeah. quotes. And set the house on fire. His excuse for all of this? His life had been a lie. That was true. But the love he had for his family was real. In fact, he loved them so much that he could not let them suffer through Uh, the shock and the shame of his uh, lies coming to light. He had to save them 
from the truth. Oh my god. I hate him so much. Uh huh. Yeah. What a coward. Oh my gosh. What a fucking coward. Yeah. I can't believe that he got away with it for 18 years. I know. And like the steps he went to of going and staying at a hotel. And he also, like he was, he seemed very well versed in the medical field because he read medical journals constantly so that he could keep up the appearance of being this esteemed doctor. Well, and also... When someone says that yeah. they have a certain profession, your reaction's never going to be, I Prove bet it. it's not. Yeah. Prove it! Yeah. Tell you, me something medically. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me your top five favorite procedures. Yeah. yeah. You don't do that. No. And as long as someone seems yeah. reasonably knowledgeable, I mean, why would you question it? Yeah. Oh. So following all of this, he's taken into custody, and despite... Admitting to all of this, he he was going to plead guilty or plead not guilty. And so they put him through like this like a psychiatric evaluation and all of that. Yeah, so he I was sure competent hope so. to stand trial. Okay. And it was determined that he was, but that he was a pathological narcissist. Uh-huh. And that he had been taught to lie from a very young age. So this is kind of interesting. So his mother was described as a fragile woman. And so to protect her from, like, everyday things, Jean-Claude's father told her little white lies all the time to protect her from whatever. Okay. And so this was just kind of learned behavior by Jean-Claude. And when Jean-Claude was having trouble in school and not fitting in, all his father told him to hide all of that from his mother because she couldn't be she, – she couldn't handle – the strain of that she was too fragile and so he'd wow. been he'd been just conditioned to lie this is how you treat a spouse uh-huh. you you lie to them constantly uh-huh. and it's for their own good oh, it's for their own good wow yeah admittedly there's not a lot of court stuff here but i'll go through what we what we sure. do have so his trial began in june of 1996 and The defense was basically like he couldn't help it. He'd been taught his whole life to lie. He got stuck in that gear and he didn't know how to get out of it. He did this all without intention or malice. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) One of those really nice murders. Yeah. And the prosecution was like, fuck that. They're like, this thing was completely premeditated. This took an enormous amount of planning. Yes. Yeah. And that whole thing where the defense is going to try and get you to give sympathy to Jean-Claude because he wanted to end his life during all of this and was just unsuccessful. No, that was fake, too. That was just another part of his fraud. Yes. The other thing is like... I'm sorry. He killed so many people with a gun. That's exactly what the, yeah. that's what the prosecution says. They're like, if he wanted, if he truly wanted to end his life, he had the ability to do it. He yep. had a gun. Yep. Yeah. Jean-Claude took the stand at his own trial. Of course he did. And tried to talk about, you know, his childhood and how this was just something that was ingrained in him forever. Okay. okay. Hold on. Hold yes. On. 
What kind of lies did his dad tell his mom? I don't know. All I know is that they were described as little white lies. Not, so you know, not like I've been like, a doctor for 20 years. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. Yes. It's like, you can't compare. Unless right. his dad did the exact no. same thing. Like, there's just no comparison. No, exactly. All right. The only time that he ever really became emotional during his testimony was when there was talk about how he'd killed the dog. He like broke down sobbing, like went into convulsions and had to be removed from the courtroom. Okay, drama queen. Uh-huh. What Sounds the hell like is... an act to me. But why not act through the whole thing, right? Yeah. Unless he's one of those crazy people like you. Okay. Who only cares okay, about dogs. Do not dogs. compare me to this guy, <laughs> and I do not only care about dogs. Uh huh. Mm hmm. <laughs> you guys, Brandy told me she's a doctor, but I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> Ultimately, the jury only deliberated for like four hours in this case. Yeah. Before finding him guilty. Yeah. He was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 22 years. Really? Yeah, that's super common internationally. Like it's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we like to lock our we people do. up. We, yeah, yes. But I mean, <laughs> he, he killed a lot. I of know. Following his sentencing, he continued to go through, like, as part of his, I don't know, rehabilitation. Because most, so most other prison systems focus on rehabilitation. And so that was. Which is a good thing. It is. It's a great thing. It's just not something we do here in the United States at all. Didn't even occur to us. Yeah. No. So part of that was to, for him to go to continual like therapy and stuff like that. And that was, that's how it kind of, he led to getting that diagnosis as a pathological narcissist. In one of those sessions after his sentence with his therapist, he was quoted as saying, I have killed everything I loved, but I'm finally me. Mm. Yikes, that's chilling. You want to hear something really chilling? I mean, this whole thing has been chilling. What else do you got? Jean-Claude Roman was paroled (gasps) on June 28th, 2019. No, Brandy, no. Yeah. It's my mom's birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday, Liz. He is now 65 years old and will be under electronic surveillance for the next two years. And he must live in an area that is approved by the judge. A prison? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Additionally, as part of his parole, he is not allowed to contact any parties involved in his fraud or his Uh any of that. So no, no family, really. And... And nobody that he involved in his Ponzi scheme. And he's not allowed to talk to the media about his crimes at all. And that... Holy Moses. ...is the family annihilator that I had never heard of. I mean, it is everything we love. I love a con man. I love a liar. Is that not the most amazing case? (laughs) Oh, God, that was rough. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. 18 years he lied. Yep. Yeah. I'm so stunned that I have to take some medicine. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) I just looked down at the time. (laughs) Are you good at taking pills? Oh, yeah. So I take um, 8 million pills every night because I take. Really? Yeah. 
So I take my prenatal. Yeah. I take three vitamin D capsules because I have to have like a super dose of vitamin D every mm-hmm. day because I don't process it properly because of my thyroid situation. Um, gotta have I the take, D. <laughs> gotta have the D. Yep. And then I take baby aspirin and then I take heartburn medicine. So all of those Dang. I take. So it's like seven pills. I take them all at one time. Oh my God. And See, that prenatal is like a horse pill. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Do you have one of those like old lady pill boxes? No. Oh. I don't. I just have the bottles sitting on my nightstand. You're you're just too cool. Divvy them out every night. Well, I clearly am not good at taking pills. Here I go like (laughs) one at a time. I have to like stick my tongue all the way out. The ibuprofen they gave me. I mean, it is not your mama's ibuprofen. It is. Is it an 800 milligram? Let's see. Oh, 600 milligram. Now now I feel like a chump. Hmm. Could pop another 200 on top of that. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Drugs are taken. Woo! Say yes to... Oh, I almost said say yes to prescription drugs, but no. those can be terrible, too. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was trying to be, like, responsible. No. 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 Say no to all drugs? Yeah. Well, you got to take yeah. some drugs. Yeah. This is a terrible PSA, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a complicated issue. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. No, no, how are we doing? How are we doing, everybody? Yeah, why, don't you, why don't you tell us all about your adventures in Tumorland? Okay, so Rocky and Bullwinkle, when we last left <laughs> off, we thought that I had a toothy tumor. Yeah. The dermoid Oh, oh god, we even looked it oh, up. God. I can't I can't look it up again. Terrible. I mean, basically everyone who has looked it up has complained to us, but you know, they got they got a warning. Yeah. So the tumor that the ER doctor and that my new gynecologist thought I had was like a hairy toothy tumor. Turns out I did not have that. <laughs> so I talked about this whole saga two episodes ago i i do want to do a brief recap just because there's a psa in here yeah as there always is so you guys i went to the er feeling severe pain in my stomach 
thought I was having appendicitis. Turns out when they did a CT scan, they discovered what they thought was like a tumor on my right ovary. That was the reason I was in severe pain. That was the reason I was vomiting, vomiting until the profusely. cows came home. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they referred me to their OBGYN. I tried like hell to get an appointment there. And uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was, I did not find them to be helpful. You did not receive the best level of care. Uh, yeah, I was told that my scan, which the doctor didn't even look at until four days after I'd been into the ER, I was told that my scan uh, revealed something that was non-urgent. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. My primary care person helped me get to another OBGYN who saw me quickly. They did a transvaginal ultrasound, which was the best time ever. (laughs) That thing is weird. Mm -hmm. So anyway, they saw exactly what the ER doctor thought he saw. Yeah. So Monday morning, bright and early, I went in for my surgery. Um, I was very, very lucky to get in for surgery because... They just started doing surgeries again. Yeah. And luckily, my doctor took me seriously, which was refreshing because I felt like the other doctor I was trying to get into, clearly, when I said I'm in severe pain, I don't know if she didn't care, didn't believe, you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, went in and they discovered that... I didn't have a tumor. I had an ovarian cyst that had ruptured, and it had twisted one of my fallopian tubes. And they also discovered another cyst on the other side. So I got kind of like a BOGO deal. I don't know. But this wasn't just like a fluid cyst. This was like a a blood cyst. It was a hemorrhagic. Yeah. Yeah, ovarian cyst. (laughs) So they took both of those out, and they mm-hmm. had to take out the fallopian mm-hmm. tube. Ugh. So you got all kinds of... So you... Okay, so tell me tell me where, what your incision situation is. Oh, it's crazy. So you, got, it was, you have four incisions, right? Yeah, I do. And I've tried not to look because my stomach is just creeping course, me out yeah. right now. They went in through your belly button for yeah. a Yeah, yeah. I know. It, it grosses me out. It grosses me out it so It freaks much. me out so bad. So because of the pregnancy situation, yeah. my my belly button is very easily accessible these days. And David keeps poking it. And I'm like, stop. You're going to go all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean accessible? Do you have an Audi now? No, it's not quite an Audi, but it's just like, it's very. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know that pregnancy. Very, yeah. Yeah, it's very accessible. Easy cleaning. Sure is. <laughs> yeah, I, it ugh, creeps me out to think about how they got in there. But the bottom line, the reason I wanted to talk about it is yeah. because that first nurse who I talked to trying to get that initial follow-up appointment with the OBGYN, you know, I cried to them. Yeah. I told them I'm in severe pain. I'm nauseous, blah, 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 blah. And I held strong. I, You know, I got the appointment somewhere else. But the aftermath of that was that I started to question myself and I started to feel like I was crazy. And like I wondered, you know, obviously they're seeing the CT scan. They're the experts. Yeah. 
And they're not seeing a reason why I should be the way I'm feeling right yeah. now. And I started to wonder, like, am I being dramatic? Am I... Am I being lazy? You know, because I wasn't getting any work done at all. And then I started to feel guilty about that. And then, like a week before surgery, you know, all this stuff had been happening on my right side. Uh A week before surgery, I started to feel pain on my left side. And I only told Norman. Mm -hmm. And I thought briefly about telling my new doctor who was going to do the surgery. Yeah actually thought about it a lot and you know she has treated me so well i had no reason other than the bad experience exactly you were already questioning everything and i decided you know what obviously if there was a reason that for me to have pain on my left side it would have shown up on the scan or it would have shown up in the ultrasound so obviously i'm being ridiculous so i did not say anything to the doctor i only mentioned it in passing to norman Mm -hmm. And then, thank God, I guess she, while she was in the neighborhood, she looked around <laughs> and saw that. But one of the weird things about telling this story on the podcast is we've had, we've had a lot of people reach out, which has been really nice. And I've kind of learned more about, like, the trouble with being a lady and being in pain. And yeah, how sometimes we don't get believed so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What I'm, what I'm basically saying is... Don't pull a Kristen. Know your body. If if you know you're in pain, don't let someone gaslight you. Yeah. Or treat you like shit. Because this the irony is, this whole time I was super afraid that the tumor was gonna rupture or that something was gonna get twisted. Well already was already was in there. Yeah. I had both. Yeah. Okay. Another fun thing. I just looked on our Facebook page last night. Uh-huh. And there's this woman, I think it was, her name's Jenny, I think. And she just happened to comment a few days ago. Uh And she said, hey, Kristen, I've had like three ovarian, ruptured ovarian cysts over the years. Your experience sounds identical to mine. Wow. Well, if only I'd looked at my, at the Facebook comments, then I'd have an accurate diagnosis. (laughs) But anyway. Yeah, I think that um, your PSA about, like, not questioning yourself and believing what you're, like, listening to your body, it's so important because if there's ever a time where you question things, it's, and you're, you're scared, you don't know Mm -hmm. what's what, and it's really easy for someone to convince you that what you're feeling is not as bad as you think it is, or, you know, not as emergent as you think it is, and yeah, yeah, and that's, it's not cool, man. No. No. In a weird way, I'm grateful for the vomiting. Because vomiting, I mean, you can't tell me I didn't vomit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know I did that. But, I mean, when someone's basically, when you're crying and telling a medical Mm -hmm. professional, Mm -hmm. I'm in severe pain. And they're like, we'll see you in a month. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It can mess with your head. Absolutely. And you know what? When we recorded that episode, we edited out a part where I said that I wanted to catapult poop at that lady. Mm-hmm. You putting that back in now? I'm putting it in now. Now that I know <laughs> that I had a ruptured yeah. hemorrhagic ovarian cyst and my fallopian tube was twisted and oh wait, I had another cyst in there. Yeah. I'd like to catapult poop at her. All right. Don't worry, guys. I 
I made a few phone calls today. Do you think you're going to ask us to cut that part out again when this podcast I don't think edited? I will. Okay. I don't think I will. I've been... Um, it's, you've really been mulling it over? So <laughs> the, the recovery for this thing has been like... Whoa. Yeah. But today's the first day that I've had some time to just kind of sit and think uh-huh. and reflect on on all that shit. Yeah. And man... Yeah, I made I made the call. They had a little patient advocacy line, so I called that, and the lady was like going through. She she was good, but she was going through my little list of things. She obviously had some notes and everything. Yeah. She was like, "And I see here that you got upset and you scheduled an appointment with someone else, and for whatever reason that kind of annoyed me mm-hmm. that she said you got upset. So you and I was so anyway. In the end of you know, I talked to her for a while, and I was like, and thank God I got upset because you know. Turns out, I... Oh, my God! I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing sucked. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you followed up with them because, yeah, you want to. So, I had... had, Yeah. Yeah. I had some similar experiences when I was going through all my thyroid stuff. Yeah. They didn't know why I was so sick. It took them a long time to figure out what was my thyroid because autoimmune diseases, they present their symptoms in differently in like every patient. So Mm -hmm. they're very difficult to diagnose. And at one point I was vomiting multiple times a day, which was all just like a manifestation of anxiety because anxiety is a symptom of thyroid disease. That's crazy. Yeah. But they didn't know. So I was getting all these gastrointestinal tests, like all kinds of stuff. Everything was coming back normal. And at one point, like it had been days since I'd kept anything down. And so my doctor was like, you have to go to the emergency room. Yeah. At least get fluids. Yeah. And so I went to the emergency room and they're like, what are you here for? And so I told them everything. Yeah. And they gave me some fluids. But they're like, nothing that you're here for is emergent. So we're going to release you. But we can't release you until you give us a urine sample. And I was like, OK, well, I can't give you a urine sample. I haven't kept any fluid down in, yeah. in days. I'm like, there's, there's no urine in me. And they were like, they treated me as if I was refusing to give them a urine sample because I didn't want them to test me for drugs or something uh-huh, like that. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, if you don't give us a urine sample, we're going to have to catheter you. Oh. And I was like, well, then I guess you'll have to catheter me because I cannot give you a urine sample. Yeah. And so they did. And when they did, there was literally nothing in my bladder. They're like, your bladder's completely dry. You're like... I told you. I was like, you. I fucking told you. Yes, they treated me like I was there. Did like, they apologize? No. Of course not. No, of course they did not. And they treated me like I was there, like, jonesing for mm-hmm. pain pills, which I get, like, yeah, there's you, certain procedures that have to be followed. Yeah. I do understand that. When I was finally diagnosed, I wanted to go back there so bad and be like, look, there was something fucking wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. You guys treated me like I was a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. And it does. It makes you question everything you're going through. To me, that was just like the worst part. Like, yeah, I think that's the part that made me so mad today was like looking back at the past couple weeks leading up to surgery Mm -hmm. when I should have just been resting and trying to take it easy. Instead, I mean, I was definitely resting as much as I could, but I was also feeling guilty and terrible. Yeah. And... Just questioning yeah. every minute. Yeah. 
Thank God you've had an amazing doctor who was like an advocate for you and got yeah. you in somewhere. Yeah. I So I entered my pregnancy thinking that I would receive similar care to that. Even though I've had you amazing were really care, nervous. I was yeah. so anxious. Yeah. Like I thought that I was going to be told all of these things about my pregnancy that... And so when I went and saw my doctor, who I'd never seen before, like mm-hmm. she she was brand new to me, I told her all of that, that I was super anxious, that I was, I had like basically white coat syndrome where, you know, doctors make me really nervous. And she has been the best doctor ever to me. She explains awesome. everything. She tells me like, you know, she's like, I know, I know that this blah, blah, blah is making you anxious, but let me tell you this and this and this. Like yeah. she goes above and beyond to make sure that I am calm and that I understand everything that's going on in my pregnancy. And I think that's a huge part of why I have had such a smooth pregnancy because she's just reassured me and I haven't questioned anything. And it's just been amazing. There is amazing medical care out there. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And, you know... You know she's amazing because she gave you a two-week heads up about that butthole swab you're going to get. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did we talk about that last week? Was that we, the bonus episode? Oh, the bonus okay. episode. <laughs> Do you want to tell us? Well, so my doctor has informed me <laughs> <laughs> that there's this test that I have to get done at my next visit. <laughs> it's a strep B culture. So she explained it to me again at this visit. She gave me a two-visit warning about this. She knows you. She's like, she this does. is a lady who she's does like, not She's not going to handle this. Yeah. <laughs> and so they have to do this strep B test, which is like 30% of the population just like carries this strep B around in them. And it's not harmful. Like there's, there's no problem. But it can be very harmful to your baby. Mm-hmm. And so if I have it... They have to give me antibiotics during labor. Okay. The way they test for it is they stick a swab up your butthole. <laughs> and I'm not looking forward to it. Brandy's totally cool about it, guys. Yeah, so this, so I just saw her this week, and she was like, "Just a reminder, we're gonna next time I see you, we're gonna do the swab. You know, I promise it's worse than it's, or I promise, <laughs> oh God, I promise it sounds worse than it is." And. I will be the judge of that. <laughs> I did look something up. What did you look up? I wanted to know the size of the swab. Okay. What'd you find out? Okay. You know those um, double ply rolls of sperm? <laughs> <laughs> they stick an they entire roll of Charmin up there. They could use a Q-tip, but they said, no, we've got to use a whole roll of Charmin. <laughs> okay. So on the note of butts. Yeah. You guys, the medicines I have been on. (laughs) The medicines I have been on. Just like a cork. Oh, my God. So I've been on anti-nausea medication for like a long time. I mean, this this happened to me April 30th was the night I went into the ER. And we're sitting here May 21st. Been on anti-nausea medication and then pain meds. Yeah. Both of which make you constipated. You guys... (laughs) I mean I had an ovarian cyst that ruptured I thought I was going to rupture I thought it was going to be Mount Vesuvius in this house and like Norman and the pets would just drown in my shit I could not (laughs) I and I was playing with fire so like a couple days ago I had my first cup of coffee in a while so I had another and I'm like well things should happen nothing started eating a bunch of fruit Nothing. Had a prune. My oh, God. God. My 
God. Uh, don't you mean a prune candy? Okay, you guys, here's the here's the deal. <laughs> My mom brought over, like, you can't even call them dried prunes because they're, like, moist. Oh. They're individually wrapped, you know. Uh-huh. She knew what was up. So Norm said to me, hey, your mom brought over these prune candies. <laughs> and I was kind of like, I've never heard of a prune candy, but, you know, whatever. I've got to poop. So, um, no, they're not prune They're candy. just prunes. They're just prunes. Oh, God. Barely made it through that. Well, I wonder if you could just, like, swallow it whole, if that would serve the same Well, purpose. maybe you could. I mean, that thing, <laughs> that was huge. Huge. Then I had, like, bran muffins. Oh, oh my gosh. It was just, like, oh, days. Effective bran muffins, it turns out, according to Norm. Because you <laughs> offered him one tonight, and he was like, no. I ate one of those. That thing cleaned me out. <laughs> oh, don't make me laugh too hard. <laughs> So, <laughs> you guys, the longest period I went through this whole thing, eight days. Oh, it's way too long. I know. I know. I told my parents and they were like, how is that physically possible? I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't ingesting anything. I had my mind on other things. Ugh. And I'm here to tell you today, guys, that I pooped a samurai sword today. <laughs> Oh, and also I've been taking Miralax, obviously. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's been a hell of a ride. We, we should get sponsored by Miralax. That's like a, a pregnancy staple. You just like have to take it. Oh, my God. Oh. So that's my medical saga. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you're on the mend. Me too. I know you're doing rough right now because you, you guys, she literally had surgery like four days ago. Yeah. Yeah. You oh. do it so good. Thank you. I feel... I mean, the difference, like, it's funny. So the day of surgery, obviously, they knocked me the hell out. Oh, thank yeah. God. And that anesthesiologist is, like, my favorite person on earth. Yeah. Because I was not cool. <laughs> um, I don't know if I give up the cool vibe. <laughs> I was you shaking. Know, people so often say how cool <laughs> you are. I was just shaking. Shaking constantly. Yeah. And she came up to me and she's like, I'm going to be the one to help you relax. I was like, oh, okay, okay. And then afterwards, she was very sweet and was like, you did great. And I was like, okay, you don't have to patronize me. I was knocked the fuck out. Like, <laughs> but yeah, so I think that anesthesia must stick with you a bit for that first oh, yeah. day. Because, oh, yeah. yeah, the second day hit and it was like, holy cannoli, poor Norman. No, he, saw, he saw too many things. Saw too many things. <laughs> Had to help me to the bathroom. Oh, God. I felt like I was 85. Yeah. I mean, you're still kind of walking like you're 85. You, you should have seen me. <laughs> you really should have. I was like, I'm worried that you're going to develop a hump. How dare you put that in? You know what? I'm worried that they're going to get the swab stuck up there. Oh, and you're going to have to live the rest of your life with that swab up there. That's that's my fear. I I fear that for you. Ugh. That's that, my friend. On the mend. On the mend. Hang on. Let me look at my stomach real quick. Oh, my God. Do you want to see it? I do. Okay. I'm getting up. I'm going to see it, guys. I'll, I'll report back. Okay. But, yeah, my stomach's like... Ladies and gentlemen, she looks like frickin' Frankenstein. Oh, <laughs> You're supposed to tell me I look beautiful. You do look beautiful. Mm-hmm. I don't think you look bloated at all. Disagree. Huh. You know what it is? Hmm. I can't suck it in. 
Yeah. I think so under normal circumstances, if I was going to be like, hey, come take a look at my stomach, I'd like, yeah, I'd, I'd do something, you know, but I can't do anything. It's just like, this is it. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. You know what we should do right now? Take some questions from our Discord. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think we should. Brandy, why don't you tell them how to get into the Discord? All you got to do to get into this Discord is join our Patreon at the $5 level or higher. Uh, that, uh, you know, gets you in the Discord, as I just mentioned, <laughs> which is like <laughs> a 90s chat room. It's a good time. We ask for questions in there when we record. We're, you know, always in there hanging out. People are chit-chatting about their lives, sharing fan art, sharing my favorite part. What? Pictures of their animals. I know. That is my favorite part, too. <laughs> and, you know, Norm's in there sometimes. David's in there sometimes. He's embarrassingly changed his... Handle no, in there. I, I support it. What's his new handle, Brandy? It's Dong Outline. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, Amy Traber, Traber, Trauber. Amy. <laughs> Amy asks Kristen, "Did you get to see your tumor?" Okay, so not a tumor, but they did send me home with pictures. They are disgusting. It's just like a bloody mess. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. You see, like, okay, a ruptured hemorrhagic ovarian cyst. Kind of think. Should I Google it? Well, no, let me tell you about it. Okay. Because it's less gross if I tell you about it. Well, I want to see it. Picture like a super mushy tomato okay. that you've incised on one side. Yeah. And, and then squeezed. squeezed out. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, there you go. All right. Cooter Collision! <laughs> Whose name is Cooter Collision? <laughs> What's their question? Do you have any phobias? And if so, what are they? Yes. I have a legit case of arachnophobia. Yeah, you do. I do. You freak the fudge out. I do. Yeah. Do you have any phobias? I mean, maybe 
What's a snake phobia? That's a thing. I okay. don't know what it's called, but yeah. it is a phobia. I'm not a fan. Not a fan at all. Yeah. Cooter collision. Excellent. Excellent handle. Ooh, Brianna asks, if you were innocent but got asked to take a polygraph, would you do it knowing it's not admissible or refuse and risk looking guilty? I would never do it. Never. Never. I wouldn't talk to the cops. No. I don't... I don't <laughs> this sounds terrible. <laughs> I don't really trust that whole process enough. I would lawyer up immediately yep. and I would put as much money into that as I possibly could. Yeah. I would never take a polygraph. I mean, if you're ever asked to, like, they're so unreliable, they mm-hmm. can give false results and you could then look. And they know they're unreliable. Fuck. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. They're not doing that to, because they trust the polygraph. Yeah. Oh, I want to ask this one. Okay. Duncy Monkey wants to know, how has your friendship changed since starting the podcast? Not as strong. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, as cheesy as it sounds, like uh, when you're adults, you don't always make that much time to hang yeah. out with each other. And this has given us a reason to hang out every week. And so I think we're, I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Awesome. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think about like friends who I don't have a podcast with. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's great if we can get together once a month. Like yeah. That's, but you and I, I mean, we see each other all the time. I love it. It's the best. It's the best. And it feels natural because most of our lives, like we, yeah, we went to school together. We saw exactly. each other every freaking day. Yeah. And then, you know, weekends. That's right. Slumber parties. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, this is a horrifying question. Nikki asks, would you rather have a dog with human hands or a cat with a human face? The dog has two hands and the cat can talk. Oh, oh no, I, I hate it all. I don't want either. Of those. Yeah, yeah. That's Third terrible. option. No, Neither. thank you. Ugh. That is terrifying. Imagine. Okay, that reminds me of this like horrible like B horror movie I saw. Okay. okay, I saw this like on like one of those weird extra movie channels you get when you have like the weird extended cable package. Okay, okay. I was like home in the middle of the day one time. And my brother-in-law, James, is super into horror movies. And so right. I had to ask him years later what this movie was. And he tracked it down for me. And, and I have no idea what it's called now. But anyway, in this movie, there's like this mad scientist who is trying to splice species together. Okay. And in this horrible, like, climactic scene at the end, he splices a dog with a goat. And it's like half dog, half oh. goat. Like, fr- dog on the front, goat on the back, or something like that. And it's, like, up, like, wandering around. And, like, oh, no. oh it's ho- it was horrifying. <laughs> that sounds awful. It was awful. That's what that question reminds me Okay, of. yeah. So we, we picked the third option, which is neither. Please never ask. Ask again. And, I mean, for the record, I love dogs, love goats, don't want a half dog, half goat. Sure. There are yeah. many things you love. You don't need to combine them. <laughs> My God. Ooh, I want to I hear this one. Liridessa asks, Brandy, what are some of your favorite hair transformations that you've done? Hmm. I really like, like, a big change cut-wise. That's my favorite. Like, when a man has had, like, really super grown-out hair and I get to do, like, a cool like cut it short type of thing Mm -hmm. love that that's like instant gratification yes um or like a big color transformation i did this girl's hair a few months ago and she had like 
just broken up with this guy and she's like, I just want something totally different. And Hell she yeah. came in and got she had like just like, you know, medium brown hair. And she ended up getting like this really dark root and this bright, fiery red ombre. It was that so fun. Cool. Yeah. It was awesome. I remember when you did Norman's big haircut. Yes. Big haircut. Big haircut. Yeah, so for a while there he had long hair. Yeah. I got the YouTube comments. Ugh. People were weird about it. People, yeah. They were, okay, people were weird about, like, it doesn't look professional. I, it's like, he, he, meanwhile, the dude, like, <laughs> the dude is, has a YouTube show. Yeah. He wears sweatpants 24-7. <laughs> but yeah, so finally he got to the point where he was like, I don't want to deal with people constantly yeah. commenting about my hair. Yeah. So, yeah, he had, like, shoulder length yes. hair at that point. So you did the big haircut. I was kind of nervous to do it, too. Were you really? Yeah. Because he's a celebrity. He's a celebrity. That's right. <laughs> no, why were you nervous? I, it's a big transformation. What if he hated it? Oh. Pshaw. Can he hold it against me? Yeah. He'd be like, "You, I forbid you to see her ever again. <laughs> <laughs> no. Norman loves you. Hmm. Trey Lynn RN asks, what are you all doing for self-care? Oh, so what I have been doing for self-care is like, getting myself dolled up like doing my hair you look on so makeup. cute in those maternity oh my thank gosh thank you because that's something that i've always done every day like it's, it's yeah you know part of my job really is my image or whatever and mm-hmm. so staying at home all the time there's not really a need to do that and so like yeah if i'm having a day where i'm like i need to not feel like i'm in a funk and so yeah, yeah i'll just like do my hair do my makeup and take cute little bump picture Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, so it's been weird for me because I'm the same way. Yeah. I always do my makeup, always do my hair. Yeah. And it has never mattered that I work from home. I yeah. still do it just because, like, that's kind of you. how I feel like me. Yeah. Today, this is the first time I've worn makeup in many moons. Yeah, you've been going through a horrible medical situation, ma'am. Yeah, but it didn't help that I also looked like shit. <laughs> <laughs> Norman took this picture of me after surgery. Oh, God. I thought you looked cute. Oh, did he send it to you? Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. I did look gorgeous, didn't I? Yes. I feel like I looked like drugged up and very sad. I did look high as a guy. That's the thing is like I look at my eyes and I'm like, "Eh." and I did like a thumbs up. Oh, God. Ooh, this is a good one. Okay. Gracky wants to know, was Brandy a fan of Norm when she first met him? Go ahead. I liked Norm just fine. Oh, mm, mm. But Norm is pretty quiet and a bit standoffish. Like when you first mm-hmm. met him, I thought he thought he was like too cool for school. Like I thought he was like a little bit of a douche. <laughs> Wait, like, you just said you liked him. I did like him. But he was just a bit of a douche. Like maybe like a maybe douche is too slight, strong. Slight maybe he was a slight tool. Okay, yeah. 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 So we were like, I distinctly remember this. Mm-hmm. We were sitting at the table. He did this like uh, stretch thing. <laughs> and then he like scratched his arm and he like lifted his sleeve when he scratched his arm to show his tattoo. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, look at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> None of that is norm at all. Like, it's funny. Some people like they don't always like the first impression. Yeah. So the thing is, like, Norman is super, super modest. Yes. And I have tried to tell him like a million times, 
when you've got a cool job yeah and you're super quiet about it and you you get really shy uh-huh. people people don't read that correctly no yes. one's no one's like oh he's quiet because he's modest yeah because he doesn't want to talk about himself no like they read that as oh He's too cool to talk right Yes! Now. He hates being here right now. <laughs> yes. He wishes he was somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, no, I remember that well. Now, obviously, I love Norm. Like, we have the best time together, all of yeah. us. Yeah, that's not how Norm is at all. <laughs> how long did it take you to feel like you got to know the real oh, Norm? I feel like even the very next time I met yeah. Norm, like, I got a very different feel from him. Yeah. Yeah. You met his douchey representative that first time. <laughs> <laughs> he did give me like a glimmer that he was not a total tool because he talked about the <laughs> what that butt picture <laughs> that butt picture <gasps> oh <laughs> the Colorado one yes <laughs> okay you guys so every year on my side of the family we do like a white elephant gift exchange and one fall Norman and I went to Colorado and we got this picture. Oh, my God. Do you think you'd allow us to post it in the No Discord? way. Okay. Well, we'll ask. But anyway, <laughs> I took this picture of Norman. He's up on this mountain, and he hikes his shorts like, I mean. Oh, so high. I mean, it did the it did the butthole swap. Yeah. Those shorts did. I mean, yeah. they were so high. He tucked his shirt in. And, and then so, he's got like, it's like his butt is like clenched. Oh, as yeah. Well. He's fully clenched. So it's a picture <laughs> from the back of Norm with his butt at maximum clench. I mean, you're not getting a Q-tip in there at all. Um, so my sister ended up getting that picture for Christmas. And uh, she hung it up in her garage. Yeah. So yeah. anytime she... Arrives at home, leaves, she looks at Norman's beautiful butt. Mm. What? Schmarls Barkley wants to know, if you had to pick only one type of cheese to eat for the rest of your life, what would you pick? Oh. I'm kind of torn. At first, I was going to for sure say cheddar. Right, because it seems like the safe option. Yeah. Yeah. But then, did I have to eat cheddar on my pizza? Fuck no. So I think I got to go mozzarella. Even though that's not as exciting it's as cheese. Not, but I think you, but I could not live without pizza, so Yeah, yeah. Gotta go mozzarella. You know, the sad, tough thing about this question is like you have to pick a cheese that's not truly your favorite cheese. Yes. Devastating. The real conundrum. I love blue cheese. I love a brie. I love a lot of cheese. I mean I'm a big cheese. Yeah, fan. we're a big cheese eater. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're Midwestern. We can't help it. Um Damn, I guess I have to go mozzarella too because I don't want to live without pizza. Yeah, I mean, what kind of world I know, are we living but... in if there's no pizza? Ugh. But then my cheeseburger, I've got to eat mozzarella. Mozzarella on it? Yeah, that sounds terrible. Very unsatisfied. <laughs> Ooh, I keep picking ones that are just for you, but I want to know. Okay. Just Bobby Lee wants to know, Brandy, have you had any food aversions this pregnancy that you still can't get past? A couple, yes. Really? So one of them is like just the sound of it or like me thinking about it makes my stomach literally churn. It's oh no. Chick-fil-A sauce. Really? Yes. You love that stuff. I know. You asked for extra. I know. <laughs> now the thought of it literally makes my stomach like turn over. Weird. The other thing that I had been craving uh-huh. was hot dogs. Okay. But I throw them up every time. So I stopped eating them. <laughs> 
but why, Brandy? <laughs> I think you should dust it off and try again. And like one day we had like a barbecue yeah. with David's family. It was like a little, just like his sisters and yeah. whatever. And we made hamburgers and hot dogs. And I ate a hot dog and didn't think anything of it. And then hours later, like we're talking like eight hours later, I was so sick. Couldn't figure out what it was. I threw up that fucking hot dog from eight hours earlier. Oh, my God. Yes. So London does not like hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or even the thought thought of Chick-fil-A sauce. Okay, have you had weird cravings? Um, yeah, so I went through a period where I craved bologna sandwiches with mustard on them, which I like mustard, but I've never been like a yeah. huge fan of bologna. And so So one day your brain just thought up like here's the perfect item. Yeah, that and I, I must ate have. it for like no shit for like a week for breakfast every morning. <laughs> 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 bologna sandwiches make me think of like growing up my mom yeah. used to make those yes. for us yeah yeah so mustard has been my craving but since i can't like i'm not really supposed to eat lunch meat like there's yeah. risks with that so it's been hard to figure out how to get in so i started making some deviled eggs a couple different times so that i could eat mustard <laughs> um ooh, Kristen, mm-hmm. would you ever get a tattoo no i know I'm such a fucking wimp oh my god Anything with needles, I just, I cannot imagine voluntarily going to do that. Oh, my gosh. Shan Marie wants to know. Brandy, I listened to the McMartin preschool episode tonight. You said you know you're not a parent yet, but you can't imagine looking even at your own child's anus. Are you prepared for that yet? No, I'm not fucking prepared for that. Brandy, you have to do it. I mean, I know I have to do it, but it freaks me out. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Can't I just like? No, you. Away? I mean, you're gonna be the one cleaning the area. Oh, no. You I gotta. Know. I'll just like I'll I'll cover my eyes and I'll just no, clean it blindly. That's not gonna be a clean butthole. I'll tell you that. All right, fine. I'll look at my kid's anus. <laughs> <laughs> if you insist. If you are gonna make me, I'll look at my kid's anus. <laughs> okay, I don't know if this is appropriate to tell, but Lucia Soul wants to know. Tell us about the worst coworker you ever had. Ooh. Do you have one? Yeah, I do. Tell it. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, okay. I'm going to say this is the worst coworker. It was like my first job. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do anything identifying. Okay. I'll just say this. It was my first job. I was working at a newspaper. Uh And my first job there was doing layout, page design. And there was this other woman who I worked with. We were the same age, Mm -hmm. hired at the same level, had the same experience level, although, man, she had a weird chip on her shoulder or something and kept trying to, like, treat me as if she was my supervisor, Uh which was just factually incorrect. Yeah. Oh, God, there are so many stories about her. I remember, like, she'd come in on her days off, and someone asked her why she was coming in on her days off, and she said, well, the way I look at it is I'm a journalist, so I never really have days off. It it was weird. Oh, my Um, God. Another time, so, you know, part of page design, you do a lot of printouts and check that you're doing everything correctly. Uh So one night I I did a printout, and I realized that I'd made some errors, so I just kind of, you know, circled them put it in the recycling bin. Then I went to the bathroom. I come back 
and she has my printout and she's going over it. And then she comes over to me about half an hour later and wants to discuss my errors with me. And I was like, did you take this from the trash can? Are you a fucking bear? Get out of here. Oh my God. There, there are so many stories about her, but like, I don't know. It was it was just weird. It was like she thought that because we were maybe the same age and at the same level that we were in a competition together. Oh, yeah. It was, oh. Yeah. Not a fan. Yeah, no. No. One time she made a hilarious copy error. Oh. She meant to say Native Americans, but instead she said naive Americans, which was super <laughs> insulting. <laughs> but then again, one time I tried to say public official and I said pubic, pubic official. official so you know who hasn't <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the guy was a pubic maybe official maybe he was <laughs> he definitely had a t-shirt that's <laughs> what about you gosh I don't know I've been thinking nothing really comes to mind I've had I here's the thing okay because so I can get along with almost anyone yeah I can't you, you and I are different in that way yes <laughs> <laughs> but I've had a couple of co-workers who how do I say this I think that there's a certain type of person that my personality does not come off great to, that they think it's fake or whatever. But Mm -hmm. legitimately, this is just who I am. Yeah. Like, I'm happy 98% of the time. Like, I would rather have a good time than be miserable. Okay, Jean-Claude, we know this is all an act. (laughs) So there is a certain type of person that my personality rubs the wrong way. And so I've had a couple of coworkers who, who didn't like that and took my personality as like, fake and one of them like oh my gosh she was this is when i worked for chain of salons when i was a new a new manager a new salon manager and we didn't work in the same salon but we had to interact at like manager meetings and stuff like that and she just did not like me like it was just very clear that she did not like me this is so weird to me i think you are like (laughs) the most lovely person um and i think it was the thing that i say i think she just did not handle my personality it's a big personality i get it and then I became her supervisor because oh. I got promoted. <laughs> oh so she took gosh. it great. No, I would like literally go to her store and she would not make eye contact with me. And I'd be like, <laughs> hi. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> she did not work for me long. <laughs> I became a supervisor. <laughs> I think there are weird, there are people who get unnerved by people who laugh a lot. Yeah. And they, I don't know if it's an insecurity thing or something, but like they think that somehow they're the butt of the yeah, joke yeah, yeah. or like yeah. it's somehow about them. Right. And it is about them because you're laughing I'm constantly at them. laughing at people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. People have asked this before, so this is okay. a question for me, but I'll sure. go ahead. And, yeah. Carly wants to know what Harry Potter house I'm in. Oh, God. You bunch of nerds. <laughs> I am clearly a Gryffindor. And uh, my Patronus, I know you didn't ask, but I'll go ahead and tell you, is a peacock. (laughs) Oh, my. I love Harry Potter, just for the record, in case anybody was curious. (laughs) Oh, oh, are you ready to, like, pick at an old, old wound? Yeah. Gadriel wants to know, what's one toy or gift you wanted as a child but never got? Ooh. Oh my gosh. Okay, I've got it. Yeah, I got to it too. Mind. What is it? So I have three sisters. So there are four of us girls. Uh-huh. And there was, I mean, I probably was 10 when these came out and they were 
walkie talkies that looked like cell phones and we thought basically the the, coolest thing ever oh my gosh we thought they were the coolest thing ever and we could all have one and like we i mean we all asked our parents to get them for us and they never fucking did hmm hmm we like talked about how cool it'd be to like go to the mall and have our walkie talkies yeah we had cell phones like ridiculous Were they too expensive or like what? I don't know. I don't remember them. Yeah. I'm sure they were to buy four of them, probably. Yeah. yeah. No yeah. excuses. I mean, yeah. your parents are in huge trouble. That's right. We didn't get those walkie talkies. <laughs> Mine. Barbie Jeep. Oh. Oh. Kyla and I wanted a Barbie Jeep so effing bad. Oh my God. And then, then Brandy. Mm hmm. You know, we were always told, oh, too expensive. Oh, can't, 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 can't possibly do the Barbie Jeep. Uh-huh. Kyla has a child. I was about to say, are you going to tell Barbie Jeep. What they, yeah. Barbie Jeep. And then. You know what they, ju- yeah, tell what they just got her. No, you tell because I'm. I don't even know what it is, but it looks amazing. Okay, you guys. First, they buy Allie the Barbie Jeep. <laughs> the thing then, you always wanted. Yes. <laughs> then, you know, because she's outgrown that, they got her like. It's like a mini mule. Yeah. It's like a, I mean, basically, what I'm trying to say is, Allie now has a vehicle that is worth more than uh, my Prius that yes. we have parked outside. Yeah, if you know, like an Easy Go is or a Gator is, it's yeah. like a utility type vehicle for like, you know, doing doing stuff on your land. Yeah. Yeah, they got her one of those, like, you know, a, her sized one. Yeah, like a mini. Yeah. <laughs> Man, to be the grandchild. Oh, what the hell? Mm. Um, so you know, I went over there this past weekend. Yeah, and I think because it's all you know, I've had lady bit troubles. Maybe my dad doesn't fully get it, but Allie was like <laughs> taking, you know, taking the adults around in that thing, and you know, it's like it's on it's on rough land it's yeah. bouncing and my dad was like well Allie you should take Aunt, take Auntie out on that thing I was like no no, no I don't want to be jostled at all no, no jostling no jostling the burst Min, the men just do not understand it because we were playing trivia the other night uh-huh. so that has been our favorite thing to do during yes. quarantine we've yes. been um, Kyla got us all set up in this like virtual like pub trivia thing it's been amazing but you and Norm were sitting there, and I don't know if you like teased Norm or something, but he went and like did these like fake ja- like these little jabs yes. in your stomach. Yes, and you're like I have a tumor. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it was I don't about. Know. It was in response to something. I think we were like teasing him about something. Yeah, but... so he was doing like playful jabs on my stomach yeah. under normal circumstances, <laughs> totally fine. But I was like, holy hell, stop! <laughs> oh my lord! Oh that Ugh. man. But yeah, doing trivia. Oh, man. You know what? Okay, people have always asked in the Discord about, like, what we're doing for fun yeah. during quarantine. That's it. It has been the best thing. Thank you, Kyla. Yes, Kyla, you're amazing. Thank and you for taking care of that. Casey for knowing that. Casey carries Casey's- the team. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, the most accurate thing a couple weeks ago, he's like, it's really nice that we can all get together and hang out while Casey plays trivia. <laughs> Casey knows like 80% of the answers. She does know 80% of the answers. And every now and then when she has to guess, sometimes she'll get one wrong. And I take a lot of pleasure in being like, oh my God, Casey. Wow, Casey, thanks for letting us down. Jeez. (laughs) So upsetting. (laughs) Oh, these were good questions. They were. Thank you, guys. 
fascinated by the food aversions thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that, wow, (laughs) I got stuck there. (laughs) I think the Chick-fil-A sauce thing is so weird because I would have told, like, that was my favorite sauce in the world. I know. Loved it. You would always ask for extra. Yes. And then just. No, it sounds disgusting to me. Here's my question. Do you think that goes away once you get I don't know. What if I can never eat Chick-fil-A? I mean, I'm not supposed to be eating Chick-fil-A anyway because you're not supposed to. It's a whole. That's a whole thing. (laughs) I think people know about it. Do people know what (laughs) Chick-fil-A (laughs) is? Do you guys have a clue here? You guys know about this (laughs) Chick-fil-A? Say, breaking news. (laughs) Oh, speaking of breaking news. What? Can we talk about what happened today? What happened today? Devastating news. Lori Laughlin and oh, her husband. This is devastating news. Oh. They're pleading fucking guilty. You guys, do you have any idea how excited I was for that? <laughs> Only we would be so disappointed by that. <laughs> uh, but I, I was like, I want to cover that. Yeah. And uh, the... Felicity Huffman, obviously, she pled guilty a while ago. Yeah, she did it. And I was ago. like, I was Lori like, Laughlin was like digging her heels in I and was know. like, I was all primed and ready for an amazing trial. Ugh. Pled guilty. Probably going to prison for two months is all. I'm so disappointed. Me too. She must have gotten really scared, though. She must have. Because, I mean, they were. You know, I would read all the articles, and yeah. their their lawyers were like super arrogant. Oh, there's nothing to this. Blah yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah. Hmm. You're saying hmm. a different tune hmm. now. Different tune. Yeah. And we talked about this too. I think it's odd. So Massimo, her husband, mm-hmm. his plea deal is like five months in jail, and so yeah, they haven't been sentenced yet. But the, but that's yeah, that's, that's the deal. Yeah. So they could get to. sentenced to more. The judge could sentence them to more. But the agreement is two for Lori. And five for Massimo, which I always thought that Lori was like the, see, the guiltier party. See, I wondered that too. And I wonder, is it just because she has the more recognizable name? I don't know. And so we just latched onto her. But like Felicity Huffman, Mm -hmm. I mean, she really was leading that charge. William H. Macy, I guess, was chilling. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll probably still cover it. Yeah. Because, you know, it's still interesting. Yeah. but what a letdown. It's a huge letdown. First, first a burst ovarian cyst, and now this. <laughs> now this. What more can I take? Oh, uh. Lord. <laughs> I don't even have the Supreme Court inductions up. Oh, wow. Sorry. Wow. Sorry. Hey, do you guys know how to get inducted into our Supreme Court? We've talked about it five times on this episode <laughs> already, but if you weren't paying attention, all you have to do is join our Patreon at the Supreme Court. Oh, my God, I forgot. <laughs> We've gone so long without saying things I in unison. Oh my god, sorry. Drop the ball. Yeah. So it's uh yeah, seven bucks a month. You get, you know, a sticker and you get inducted and you get, you know, bonus episodes and a bonus video every month. It's just it's a grand old time. Uh so for today, inductions, we are going to be reading people's names and their favorite book. Kristen, <laughs> since you have a tumor. Thank you. Well, it turns out not to be a tumor. Since you've recently had surgery. Oh, is this your gift to me? I will read the names. Thank you. (laughs) Since you're all doped up over there. I am. Can you tell a difference? No. No, I can tell you feel better. Yeah, I do feel better. I can tell you feel better. Yeah. All right. Anna Bear. The girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh, that 
it was good. Rachel Buck, thank you for the help with the pronunciation. She said like fuck, but with a B. <laughs> and her favorite book is Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> Sarah Reichert. Nightwatch by Terry Pratchett. Amy Trauber. Is that what I said? Oh, that's how you pronounce it. Okay. What did I guess? I think I guessed Trober. That was pretty close. Pretty close, Way Brandy. closer than you were. Yeah, well, you know, always. <laughs> the Harry Potter series. Samantha Brennan. Lillian Boxfish Takes a Walk by Kathleen Rooney. Bonnie Homan. The End of Alice. Kaz! With Ooh. an exclamation point. Flowers in the Attic. Woo! V.C. Andrews. Woo! Kristen. Kindred by Octavia Butler. Katrina Gunnett. Quiet. The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Kane. Oh, I thought that's an interesting book. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you know about it? I don't Extrovert. know. Extrovert. <laughs> Kate. The Harry Potter series. Christina Reitman. Working Stiff. Two Years, 262 Bodies, and the Making of a Medical Examiner by Jody Malinick. Probably need to read that. Lindsay Mancuso. Any of the books in the Jim Butcher series. Sarah Archer. Boy's Life by Robert R. McCammon. Welcome to the Supreme Court. Oh, that feels good. Oh my gosh, it's been so long. I know. You look so cute. Oh, thank you. You're always so pretty. Oh my gosh, I just have this giant belly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, better than being cut up and weird looking. (laughs) Could have a Frankenstein belly, which is all the rage. Yes, it is. Everybody's trying to get those Frankenstein bellies. Do you think Mederma works? Yeah. Or you know what? Okay, so what I used on my thyroid scar, Uh vitamin E oil. Really? Yeah. Way cheaper than Mederma. And I mean, it's still there, but it's way better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just get that. Buy that puppy on Amazon. Dab a little on there. Wait until your stitches are gone, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't no, do it yet. I gotcha. I yeah. gotcha. I'm trying to avoid Amazon because fuck Jeff Bezos. You oh, okay. Know? Well, buy, go buy it at the store then. Okay. Okay. Do it at the pharmacy. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> have you also given up your dream of the Tesla over Elon yeah, Musk? Yeah, I have. For real. I really have. Oh. You know what? And I even thought. I hate that there is me on record on the podcast <laughs> saying, saying that, saying that so I'm cool. not interested in cars, yes. but I think Teslas look cool because, man, when he Ooh. tweeted that thing the other day about, like, how he's going to defy county orders and... Please, please, if someone's oh, going to be arrested, make sure that it's only me. me. Uh, Yeah, dude. Fuck off, Elon Musk. Yeah, so, no, i not into Teslas. You know what I think Elon Musk looks like? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I think he looks like that man that got a face transplant. <gasps> like his face doesn't quite yeah. get his head right. Okay, okay. Have you seen the pictures of him before? Yeah, he had before money? his gl- rich man glow up. Yes. My God. Yeah. So there's famously this man that got his like face ripped off by a chimpanzee or something. What? And he was like the first person to ever get a face transplant. And it looks pretty good. Yeah. But it looks like it's like it's a little off. Not huh? quite on his head right. Because it's somebody else's face. Okay, what do I have to Google? I don't know. Face transplant man. Face transplant man. Okay. Oh wow, you're kinda right. 
Yeah. Oh, God, I'm seeing a lot of things here. Yeah. Anyway, I think Elon Musk's face just looks like it doesn't quite fit his head properly. Maybe it's because he's a robot with like a human face on the outside. Please, if you must arrest anyone. <laughs> We're never getting that Tesla sponsorship. <laughs> the whole reason we started this was to get a free Tesla and we ruined it. No, it's just funny to me how like... I don't know. I I feel like this pandemic, people are kind of showing their yeah. true colors oh, a little yeah. bit, and I'm not enjoying some of the colors. Yeah, that sounded weirdly racist. I'm sorry. <laughs> didn't mean didn't mean it in a you weird way. Actual color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious! <laughs> Everyone's showing their true colors, and turns out I'm racist. <laughs> Been doing a lot of weird, yeah, a lot of weird reading. You know, I've got a lot of time in the recliner to just watch some obscure news shows. Info wars. <laughs> you know, I feel bad for making Alex Jones. <laughs> Alex Jones, he's got a lot of good points. Stuff the normal oh media. Obviously, won't tell we're you. we're kidding, people. Please do not think that that's a serious thing. But how? Okay, Brandy. Brandy, what Kristen. would you do? What would you do if, you know, obviously I've been kind of out of it the past yeah. couple weeks and you came over and I was like, look, I I feel like the light bulb has been turned on. <laughs> I have been doing a lot of research <laughs> and I was just like totally Alex Jones. Oh, I was like, my God. What would you do? I would be concerned that you had suffered some kind of medical episode during mm-hmm. all of this that had altered your brain in some way i would probably have to pull norm aside okay and then we'd have to have a conversation about like getting you in maybe getting a, an mri of your head yeah see if there was a tumor of some kind this is this is how i know you're a good friend yeah <laughs> that's what you would do yes yes that's, that's what 100 what i would do yeah if if i started saying <laughs> yes. that alex jones guy makes a lot of sense yeah you'd be like okay something went wrong with the surgery something, yeah something there's been some horrible side effects they opened her her up in her stomach and then they must have poked up in the brain i don't know oh i didn't mention this last week yeah i got the covid19 oh test. yeah you got the, the swab I, thing so i just wanted to tell people not that bad yeah i was terrified of that yeah. thing much like you're terrified of the butthole swab well i'll report back and tell you how terrible it was <laughs> but yeah um I don't know. I feel like there were a lot of dramatic stories out there. Yeah. And I, of course, believed all of them. All of them, yeah. And, you know. Well, now there's that whole piece by Alex Jones about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe that hook, line, and sinker. But really, guys, it's like, it's kind of uncomfortable. It's weird, but it's not, yeah. it's not bad. Yeah. So don't be scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been so fun. I'm so glad we're back together again. Um, I didn't like it. Can we go back to remote? No. <laughs> No, I will show up here anyway. I will be here. <laughs> no, Norman was so excited because I was like, you know, yeah, Brandy's coming over. And, you know, he was like, oh, great. Yeah, that'll be good to see Brandy. Um, Are we going to get dinner? Or, uh... <laughs> so, yeah, we had dinner. Oh, this the whole, the the whole, whole gang's the back whole together. Oh. David didn't join us this week. Though, I know. So. That made me sad. Yeah. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. Maybe he can have like one of the hot dogs that you're not eating. <laughs> <laughs> he went and got Chipotle. He's doing just fine. Oh, okay. oh, food aversion. I love Chipotle. I can't eat it. it. Makes me sick. Is it the cilantro? I'm What's... guessing. 
So I can I don't like cilantro, yeah. but I do like enough cheese and and salsa and the, whatever. It just kind of drowns out. Yeah, okay. you, it's just in the rice, so yeah. you know, not not that big of a deal. No. Can't do it. No, I tastes delicious to me when I eat it, but then mm-hmm. eight hours later, yeah, just it r- attacks. Back up. Should we confess to the people about how I embezzled from the podcast <laughs> last week? <laughs> yeah, Chris felt terrible. Sends me this text that she's like. Oh my gosh, I feel terrible. I accidentally ordered dinner on the podcast credit card. And I was like, no, it's fine. <laughs> so we have this food delivery app. And like I have the podcast credit card saved in there because sometimes we, we do it. Yeah, we order it before we record. Whatever. Um, yeah. But I also have my own credit card in there. Yeah. For when, and I don't know. I just, I like hit checkout. I she wasn't was inspired by the fruitcake. Yeah. Place. I was like, he got away with it so easily. <laughs> then I realized that like, oh my God. And so I was like, Brandy, well, take it out of my pay. And she's like, calm down. I'm like, um, absolutely not. It is not that big of a deal. And then you're like, well, I insist that you and David order food dinner on the podcast. And I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Guys, I tried, I tried the embezzlement life. I don't have the stomach for it. I felt terrible. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for your support. We appreciate yeah. it so much. Yeah, it's your support that makes those podcast dinners possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You allow me to embezzle from the podcast, and I appreciate that greatly. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Reddit. We're on Patreon, obviously. And then... uh Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen. That would really help us out. And then head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review, and then be sure to join us next week when we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from the podcast The Evidence Locker, the BBC, Rappler.com, Telereport, The Local, and Wikipedia. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award 
award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. <laughs> 